0: And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. Or are we sometimes? Ha! I am your host Brian KC. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE follow the podcast that is at hefpod follow us on instagram that is hey eintracht frankfurt and you can also follow us on facebook where you can find all the english language content all at your fingertips in one location that is facebook.com slash hefpod so i do not do this podcast alone especially during uh victory Podcast, and so Joining me uh, before he jets off to uh, the sunny, sunny Central America is Chris in Detroit. How's packing going?
1: Uh, It hasn't even started yet. There's too much to celebrate tonight. Uh, I am not a little biased. I am entirely biased. We are a fantastic club headed nowhere but up. And damn it, if the sun is not out in Mexico, uh, it's definitely out in Frankfurt right now. I'm excited for this
0: one. 100% agree on that. So, as you can probably tell, uh, things went good for the Eintracht as we took on Olympiacos in the Europa League. So, let's look at this match. <sighs> Three, Look, hey, we're at the halfway point of the Europa League, and we can really comment on kind of the progress that we have made as a club so far and where we can possibly go. So... Uh, to recap, uh, the, as well, I'll just list off the score: three-one uh, victory over Olympiacos. Get in, folks. Get some of that. Uh, very boisterous uh, Deutsche Bank Park Vod crowd on hand for that. Eh, I did and uh do a guest spot on an Olympiacos fan podcast. And had made mention that uh, we would uh, score a goal from the penalty spot. Go figure that that would actually happen <laughs> in the first half. Oh goodness me!
1: But didn't expect Chris, that to be the
0: opener, right? Uh, I actually totally did. I because I was For thinking sure. that would might be the only goal that we or would get, kind of like yeah. what we had against when we went on the road to Antwerp in Belgium. Uh, to give a standings look because that, to me, at this point in time is more important than anything else because, all right, we've got our two home matches out of the way. Uh, Fenerbahce and Olympiacos uh, knocked out of the park and got four points from the home matches. Eh, could have done with another two points, but what you are gonna do? Uh, We have two of our hard road matches uh, left to go. Uh, Gotta go to Piraeus. Uh, That is the uh, The Port portion of Athens uh, which is where the Olympiakos stadium is that's on November the 4th we still got that going on but then we have uh, Antwerp at home look by that point in time and I'll point this out on the standings right now 7 points from the 3 matches Olympiakos on 6 until uh, this match uh, 2 wins and Fenerbahce and Antwerp all did us a favor having a two-two draw, which was quite entertaining. I wa- i happened to see the penalty miss, which was the funniest thing I had seen them all week. <laughs> but like,
1: can you give a description for those of us that didn't see it, or do we need? Okay, to it? okay.
0: Um, it is worth the YouTube look, but so uh, the penalty—it was dubious. It was right on the line, so you're like, oh damn. Well, you know what? No freaking uh, var to overturn that. Kind of like uh, the penalty we conceded. Anyways, we'll get to that in a second. And <laughs> God, so upsteps uh, inner Valencia to uh, take the penalty for Fernández, and he freaking uh, does a Penenka. So that's that kind of run up. You take the penalty, but it's that kind of chipped, slow. Uh, that slow rolling in chip uh, that goes in, uh, known for its penalty kick taker who did it uh, most notably. It uh, was that the I think that was seventy or eighty two euros. It um, was where Yugoslavia uh, won that one. Anyways. Uh, um, Sorry, get away from it. So he does the peninka, and, and it goes right off the crossbar and right back at him, and he just kind of stands and looks at the ball, just kind of drop right at his feet, and it's just kind of like, ah. Uh, <laughs> just you kind of like, like, he looks so, so defeated.
1: It was hilarious. He looks like a genius when you pull it off, <laughs> and then when it doesn't go the right way, there, there's no hole deep enough for you to crawl because you know everyone's going to be like, why did you do that? What was the score when that happened?
0: Uh, That was 1-1 at the time.
1: Dude, you can't do that. You do that when you're up like 3-1 and you're showing up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Or just even just just a one-goal margin. Come on. You don't do that when, you know, it's even Stevens. Because if you're Fender Pache, you got to look at that and say, oh, my God, you (laughs) effing idiot. We should be on five points, not two. There's a four-point gap between... Olympiakos and Fenerbahce. That, is, that result was absolutely huge to the point that I'm like, hey, guess what? If Fenerbahce, you know, can't get the business done against Antwerp, us at home against Antwerp on the match day five, you win that. Um, throw, throw out all the reserves and youth players who are able to qualify uh, to play it. Full I'm talking about full squad rotation, you save the first team guys for the Bundesliga. you let everyone else kind of play out the match in Istanbul because you will have secured passage into the uh, into the knockout phase, but it's kind of weird, Chris. So here's the question. Uh, round of sixteen only goes uh, so uh, the Europa League's now switched. Uh, third place goes into the round of like six, the knockout phase of the Europa Conference League, the one that Union Berlin is in. Yeah. You advance uh, as second place to what was the round of thirty-two, which is where you have your eight group runner-ups face off against the eight. Uh, third place teams for the Champions League. So a lot of big fish that will be dropping down. Or you can finish in first and guarantee your spot in the Europe League knockout phase by going to the immediately to the round of 16 where you wait for the eight winners of the, quote, preliminary knockout phase. So I guess we're at the point where we can literally uh, take things in stride and just say to ourselves, you know what? All we have to do is win. Against Olympiacos, and you then have a very winnable match at home, and then it's done and dusted. I'm kind of excited at the fact Le- that we can uh, have 12 points and just be signed, sealed, and delivered as group champions. Because we've we've got the distance, we've got the distance, and Olympiacos has got to beat us now. Timeout.
1: You know what happens every time you say all we have to do is All we had to do is beat Shelka, right?
0: Oh you know, God.
1: So all I'm saying is let's not let's not think that, you know, a a big win here today seals the group or safe passage or anything like that. We still have a lot of work to do. It's gonna be a whole different ballgame instead of fifty thousand supporters in Frankfurt going on the road to Athens and You know, that's, they're, they're an experienced European club. Uh, Getting back to today's match, what, what we saw today was Frankfurt and European Knights vintage performance, Um, but Olympiacos is no slouch. They're in the Champions League or Europa League every single year. You know, we're in there most years right now, but they're in there every year because their experience has them set up to succeed in this competition we do have to be careful about looking ahead and penciling in victories before they're played.
0: <laughs> Sorry if I'm getting just a little excited at the fact that you're a little hey, biased. I, I don't care if I'm a little biased. I'm looking at <laughs> it from this standpoint that you know what? We have we fought and clawed back uh, a win when in pre I would say you go back a couple weeks. And we would not have won this match. Olympiacos then would have found themselves another goal and they would have sat on it. Agreed. And they sat and what- on the they sat on the match quite a lot, which I thought was a little bit timid. Yeah. I will say this much. Look, credit to the away fans. They sold out their entire block. Uh I was told very much that they looked at this match and they're like This is a big night out. We're going to a big European city. Screw Istanbul. We, uh, well, mostly because (laughs) I was told, yeah, uh, we'll feel safer about getting, you know, just blackout drunk in Frankfurt than we will in Istanbul for obvious geopolitical reasons. And they saw that they were up for it. The fans were up for it just as much. And I kind of looking at it and I'm like, where was the... Where was the kind of want, the desire to bring it to Eintracht? It was almost like they were just kind of sitting back like they were a Bochum or a Firth or a Bielefeld. Only, you know, we were in the Vodstadion. And you do not just sit back and just pretend like, oh, this is just fine. This is good enough. Like no, the team kept on going, and I would like to look specifically at the se- uh the second goal. That was a piece of beauty where there's a lot of good passing interplay, and all you had to do was look at Oliver Glasner's reaction for people to say that. And we've been also critical of him here, where we're like, we're gonna be playing some rather unexciting stuff. But you know what? he is no less passionate than any other coach that we have had. And that's, you know, I'm talking about Nikko Kovic and Adi Hutter who honestly uh, really uh, brought out what was what it meant to be an Eintracht Frankfurt fan, really kind of understood what the fans were all about. And I think, Glass, I think I'm think i seeing a different side of Glasner. That makes me more, even more optimistic for our future.
1: You know, he is not unlike... Uh he he's very much like our players are where they play up to the match he he ramps his emotion up a different level we have seen it in every mm-hmm. european game we saw it against bayern when when we took that lead there uh, he was leading the charge out for the celebration i mean it, the guy <laughs> is, the guy is wearing his is hard on his sleeve and that's what you want that's what we're accustomed to he just um, was born
0: because he was at Wolfsburg. Let's be real.
1: Yeah. And when he's not, <laughs> when he's not showing that in, in a match where we're struggling, like like Hertha, it's because he's trying to figure out what the hell are we going to do? How can we change this? Mm-hmm. But I think, back to your previous point, why we didn't see Olympiacos come out and try to punch us right away, they knew we had a, a, a solid defense. No matter the formation, that they had to try and figure out, they had to try and figure out how to get the opportunities because we have a reasonably good backline and they were kind of feeling us out we were kind of feeling them out everything pivoted on that penalty because mm-hmm. when things were 50-50 they were pretty content you know taking their time being methodical with it we knew we were going to get our chances um, that penalty once that occurred it's so much easier to play from from the position ahead and we just kind of took this game and ran with it at that point. look at and the Once penalty. we went up 1-0, they had no chance.
0: Look at the pass. You, you know, you talked about the penalty. Uh, let's look at that. You know, Bore earning that. You know, And that was in me, transition, the, too. That was wonderful transition movement. That is exactly what you all, we got really accustomed to seeing that under Adi Hutter like you know the the transition play that then leads into a wonderful attack and a wonderful goal like bore getting brought down like i really looked at that and i'm like oh my god if he stands up he's freaking putting this thing in and he went sure he did go down anyone who wants to get critical on that you know have you know have added but you know honestly Paciencia make it in his stuff that was also in the attack. I mean, look, Bore, this was the kind of stuff that we had seen in the highlight reels that he can do, not when he's scoring the goals, but when he puts himself in a position where he can then, you know, have a really great shot on target at the very least. You know, to me, like him, him getting in the right position – is just the tip, is just the start of what I think could be a good career at Eintracht. Will he be, and, he's not going to, he's not going to light the world on fire, but that, his movement uh, to pull the penalty, and just in general for the entire match, I was like, this is what we have been waiting for all season long.
1: Yeah. I think part of his success up front, too, was having Paciencia there. Um uh-huh. our, our buddy Garrett here in Detroit. He's been pulling for that Paciencia uh, Bore combination all year, and to have two guys there that are pretty well sized that that know how to how to create space for themselves. Uh, the passing was crisp up top, which we haven't said all year long. And if I had told you that that Bore and Torre were going to be the first two goal scorers on the day, ending it with <laughs> with Kamada at the end. I mean, those are three guys that are just struggling right now, and to see all three of them score goals that were well-earned is just a fantastic result.
0: Yeah. Um Let's look at Torre. Playing out on the right, kinda same general area that was on the left. Good grief. His two appearances that he has for the Eintracht so far this season, playing against Bayern, playing against here, against Olympiacos, I'm like, um... I think we might have our guy for the right. Now, I need him to show up against a Groetelfirth, a Bochum, to be able to have that really, in my mind, nailed down. But that is exactly the kind of stuff that we have been missing on the right hand side of the pitch. That we know Kostitz brings it on the left, but we need to have the right balance so that the team is able to be more successful. Now, I am of a very strong belief that this Olympiacos team, if you put them into the Bundesliga, there are multiple teams within the Bundesliga that they are better than. One of, one of whom is our opponent for this weekend. I would say, what, uh, four to uh, even six, at a stretch, six teams that they are better than within the Bundesliga. So this is a good test. Against a team, we're then gonna be having a team that we'll we will be playing at at a lesser uh, that is a lesser quality for the weekend, and I hope that we're able to uh, take the momentum and just take it right to Bochum. But it was really interesting. So we had a kind of two more kind of forward line, uh, lane guys, in Paciencia and Bore with Kamada, uh, playing behind giving him some space, and he did, you know, a couple of passes, you know, the qualities that I have enjoyed for Kamada, which have placed me on the, quote, Kamada Island, were on full display.
1: You're not on the island. You govern the island.
0: Well, hey, <laughs> um, So we've been talking about other islands Is Torre his own island, or is he like an uh, archipelago?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of geographic terms terms for it. Uh, I'm going to say that... Is he an isthmus? Yeah, you can go with with an isthmus, being that I'm from Michigan and we have two of them. I'm going to call it a peninsula. (laughs) um, Because it's strong enough that there's no threat of it being cut off. um, But there is a lot of water around there. There might be some sharks in there. Um, But I don't think that it's strong enough that it's going to get cut off. I think it's a solid peninsula. And, look, here's the thing. He's shown up now against Bayern. He's shown up in a European match against Olympiacos. If we could just play every match like it's Europe or like it's Bayern, somebody good, (laughs) we'd be in pretty damn good shape. You You could say that about
0: Kamada himself. Must be real. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) We have
1: to get to this point where – we find that consistency. So, no, this was not an opponent as tough as Bayern, but with what is on the line um, as far as advancing in group play and advancing into the, the knockout phase. This um, is must-win. This was huge. Yeah, we're not winning the Bundesliga. So if we had lost to Bayern, we wouldn't have lost any ground on, on the top of the table. Um, but losing today in the Europa League would have hurt really bad. We would have said, what the hell do we have to play for the rest of the year? So I think coming out showing ninety minutes where we were the the tougher side, we were the more physical side, we were the more offensive side, and by the way, we only allowed one goal and it was on a penalty that it's just a matter of you know, tough wrong place wrong time. I'm not going to fault the penalty we gave up.
0: I'm a, I'm specific now. Look, we are a podcast that is biased. I feel a little bit like. There was a chance if there was VAR. So uh, to explain, uh, the Europa League does not have VAR until the knockout phase. <sighs> that is what it is. Kind of <laughs> try not to. I'm not going to dwell on that too much. But it is kind of shit that that is the case. Um, I honestly think if this was a, a Champions League match, if the referee made that call, I don't, actually I don't even know if the referee would have made that call because they would have been like, oh well, I'm, I'm, I'm confident to a bit that it's a it's a foul but they might have even let it go just to let VAR kind of be like, hey no no no, have a second look at it. I honestly believe that like that, that this would have gone to VAR. would it have still stood as a goal? I do not know. At all, but I do think that this would have uh, required VAR to have a second look at the very, very least. I,
1: I will say, in relation to, to whether it was the right call or not, um, because you don't have VAR in that situation, it was the right call. Uh, his arm was up in the air, his arm did contact the ball. Uh, whether it was in there because he was. You know, in a physical battle or whatnot, it affected where the ball was going and how the offensive opportunity uh, developed for Olympiacos. So, I'm okay with that call. Uh, we've seen far worse calls go against us, even with the AR. <laughs> even with the AR in play. We've had worse calls. So, I'm not going to fault them too much for that one. I think it was fair. Um, but we were in a position still in control of the game there, so we weren't immediately back on our heels. We kept pounding away and doing what we had to do, and then we came up with a third one.
0: Exactly. Uh, look, I mean, I would, I really have to throw it out there. Paciencia, like he, okay, he's, you know, scored a goal in the Europa League, and now I'm like, hey, this guy, okay, he's a lock for PKs, gave, you know, honorably gave up uh, the ball to Bore to put in himself, because he probably knew, hey, look, I've got a couple, I know how important, more important, maybe he knows like, that he is more important long term to the club, and he's like, no, you need to be buzzing, boy. You need to get this goal. You need to freaking be flying out there. He knew...
1: He I is far I, better I, as a starter than he is off the bench. When he comes off the bench, he's just He's just kind of a, a placeholder. There. He's, he's there. He's, he's just there. Space. He's occupying a defender, but when he is a starter and he's engaged from the first minute of the match, you see an entirely different offense for us.
0: A hundred and fifty percent. There's, I mean, there's a reason why he still is my wife's favorite player on this entire team. I can't get Convincer otherwise on a few of the other guys available. It is what it is. Anywho, let's look at uh, some of the other performances. Uh, Tuta. now he was substituted in the second half. What did you make of his, you know, uh, start that he had for the Eintracht? Playing... In line, now he had, I think a re- he was in a good, really, really good spot to be able to flourish because he had Hesse to his right, and Jacek was able to, if need be, drop deep to be a support, and he had Ture to the right. I think he was in a good position. I'm uh, sure he picked out that one card, but yeah what can you do on that? Um, I thought that he did a decent job. I wish that more faith will be put in him. I hope that more faith is put in him in the future, uh, in matches cause, you know, we can all look at whose birthday is when and realize that he is a more necessary player in the long term than even other players who we really love.
1: Yeah. He has to lean on the experience of having Hasebe next to him there. Uh Take your chances one-on-one, you know, build confidence by being aggressive because you do have uh, the ageless one or Hasebe and the <laughs> behind you to back you up. So I thought he was okay. Um, nothing out of this world. Um, he handled his business. But I want to see him back to where he was when he took over for Abraham when he left. Uh, mm-hmm. and he, he was the most physical player on the pitch and something happened whether it's when he was injured or i don't know what it was but he lost that that aggressiveness that endeared him to us in those first few months after he started that on a starting role
0: can totally agree on that he's to me a player who has got a bright future still with the eintracht uh just he let just take the your moments where you can And allow yourself to then uh, succeed. And it didn't happen to hurt that Hasebe, one of the soundest minds within, you know, European soccer, was right there to advise him on, you know, anything extra that needs to be done on the pitch. The man, look, if it comes to it that when he retires that Glasner is wanting to do whatever else, I'll just give Hasebe the job. End of story, not even I'll just be like, "Dude, get your qualifications now." Uh, you're our guy. <laughs> uh, there are a few uh, Eintracht legends that I revere more in the, especially now in this very present day than Makoto um, Hasebe, because you know you take him out of that side. How many points have been won with him? You know, on the pitch over the last few seasons. But you he just also- kind of
1: gets he he's also not good enough anymore that we can let the entire game hinge on his performance you yeah, know we can do that like 16 17 17 18 t- time frame but 3 4 years on from that uh we can't do that anymore
0: true but still he is to me as vocal as important of a player within the squad as if he was in the starting him we can on the weekend off. That's true. That's true. Um, another positive thing to go about this match before we kind of move on is a uh, Roder finally is making his uh, return to the pitch. I mean, to me, this was oh seeing him uh, yeah. made me extremely happy because that means that you know what he is going to be. I mean. It sucked who he was being subbed on with as well. Eric Durham's hair needs to freaking go, dude. Just shave it off. No, no. Oh my <laughs> god, like that. I felt like my. Okay, to be fair, I'm at work. I've got that on the screen. I'm doing my best to follow the match, but hey, you know what? When you're being paid to do something different, gonna you know, got some other priorities. The but, yeah, uh, when he was coming on. Even my coworkers like who's the guy with the bad hair? (laughs) I'm like, that says it all. Oh my god. Like I don't maybe the quality
1: of play has gone downhill since he changed the hair up, so
0: Dude, just shave it off. God dang it. Like I don't care like if your girlfriend likes it, she's obviously got bad taste. Anywho's uh Rota getting back in there. Um, I think he's really been a player that we've missed when it comes to his presence on the pitch. And his appearance today is just is that uh, glimmer of hope that I have. And honestly, I've been really desiring him to be back in the lineup because I think he will add an entirely different dimension to our squad. And Glasner will be... I just have more options, more flexibility to play with. Granted, I don't know, like, I've realized that I'm talking about a guy who's got freaking, who's got a body made of glass, but, you well, know, got to be well, positive somehow.
1: Let's look at it from the perspective of on a club that lacks a lot of talent and has zero depth, just having another live body there uh, who you can rely on to Maybe not improve you, but maintain where we are. So as we grow and we get a little better incrementally, he can be a part of that.
0: Hundred percent. All right, that's gonna wrap it up. I think, for just about everything we have to say when it comes to this match day of the Europa League. Um, I will. Hmm.
1: Con- uh, we did not mention Kevin Trapp. Because he didn't have to work too hard, but we got to give him a shout out because he's he's constantly there. He really only took what like two shots on goal, I think, uh, beyond the penalty. But
0: and he picked the right spot to go to for the penalty. Just hey, that he penalty did. was really well taken.
1: It was a blast. Yeah, he he would have had a shot at it if almost anyone else took it. But Kevin Trapp was good as always and. He deserved a night like that for how much he's had to save our ass lately, and and show up just for us to even have a chance in games. Uh, mm-hmm. It was nice for him to have a little relaxing night.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Give him a little bit of breathing space. And uh, needless to say, uh, he could have even taken the night off. Honestly, he could have taken the night uh, off.
1: Then it, everything would have gone the whole other way. It's a whole butterfly effect. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, this wouldn't be a biased podcast if I didn't mention uh, some of the teams who are doing well in the Europa League. Uh, Already, we have one team that has secured uh, qualification to the at least preliminary phase, as I mentioned, uh, and that is Olympic Lyon. I'm just kind of like, I really, really, really... If we progress to the Europa League a knockout phase, I'd love to face a Lyon. Uh, got a big team, big stadium that would allow for probably 5,000, 10,000 traveling fans or of course we could just face off against a Monaco, see Niko Kovac, uh, give him a big old hug, and then show him why he always sucked when he uh, coached his teams against <laughs> the Eintracht. I mean, a guy can dream, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, it, who would you rather have? Mm, like the mo of of those two teams, like uh, those two French teams. I mean. I'd love to play. Uh, I think it's Leon. Yeah, I'd love to play against Leon because they—that is a name. That is a pro. That is a real name. Okay, so Mon. Yes, Monaco has also been in and amongst it at the big time, but and yes, they have Nikokovic, But just give me the big team, the big stadium that will give our fans plenty of space because that Monaco stadium is. Like the size of Greuther First stadium. That is nope, nobody small. goes to
1: Monaco to watch soccer. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, um, there's there. the Grand. You, you don't yeah, go there for soccer. The week they got that one weekend where the, there's a big race, the Grand Prix, and not gonna lie, I've seen Casino Royale. The casino looks dope. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, they did filming there uh, in place of, I forget where the hell that was supposed to be in the movie. Uh, but look, the, the place is not, it's got more stuff going on uh, than is need than, you know, that the team needs. The team's not going to get a squad. And, uh, and, And uh, there's a decent chance that we could face, at least in the round, uh, the quarterfinals, should we progress as far, uh, that we might be facing up against Leverkusen. So wouldn't it be nice to get back to the semifinals by crushing another German team? I mean, we only did that to win the whole damn thing in uh, 1980. So why not uh, get us to the semifinals by crushing the the pill poppers, the pill creators, the uh, pharmaceutical team? There you go. I mean, we could be... Uh, I'm I'm really on a roll here. We could play Galatasaray. We could play Red Star Belgrade. Actually, that would be hella dangerous for traveling fans. I would not want to go on that away trip, regardless of how pretty Belgrade supposedly is. Anywho, um, there's also a chance that Legate of Warsaw uh, could be in the knockout phase, so that could be uh, kind of interesting, because then you could play at the... Uh, the big uh, national te- the national stadium in Warsaw that would be kind of cool. Anyways, I'm done spitting about what other teams are doing in the Europa League. Uh, we've had enough Europa League talk. We're going to talk about Eintracht versus Borcam because Frauen are off uh, for the next two weeks due to the international break. Uh, it's time for hashtag What are we drinking, Chris? Um, on a night like this where we are celebrating, what are you drinking?
1: Well, let me flash back to our last episode where I brought an elixir to the table, and I said, "This drink that I'm consuming will fix all of our problems." So you're welcome. Eagles, uh, Detroit and Verner's, we delivered uh, the elixir. <laughs> all of our problems are gone. So <laughs> In celebration
0: <laughs> I it's available in cans the- where I'm at. I have seen it. <laughs>
1: it's the best. Um, Anyway, uh, tonight I'm celebrating with another local product, a beer actually, from the Corktown neighborhood in Detroit, Brew Detroit. They brew a Smoke Delay IPA. It's it's a juicy IPA um, in celebration of Detroit City FC and their Mm. accomplishments here in Detroit. Uh, It's my go-to on match days here. Uh, The Smoke Delay is my celebratory drink at the matches here. And I'm celebrating our victory over Olympiacos with it today.
0: So Corktown, Detroit, not Corktown, Toronto. Correct. All right. Largely residential district uh, that is well known for once being the home of the Immortal Tiger Stadium. That's right. It... uh yeah, and Michigan so, Central Stadium, which is used uh, for, I forget what freaking um uh, uh, Ford just bought it. Oh, there I've we seen go. they a lot of
1: movies, but Ford is making it their headquarters for electric vehicles.
0: Um, well, seeing as how good that they run their own sporting franchises, I would assume that they are good at Stop. doing business business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, hair is kudos to Corktown. Um, I Myself I am drinking all Sam Adams. Today I have the Sam Adams Oktoberfest. It is... it It's a pretty steady producer of a good medicine. And for this being the Oktoberfest... I mean, I know we're in October. Oktoberfest has already passed. But this being... It is a proper fall beer. And it works great. Uh, just make sure that you don't drink the entire... Uh, 24 pack by yourself always share a beer with a friend to that Chris I say Prost and we will be back with segment 2 of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt after Chris has refilled his beer so stay with We're back segment two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Never a dull moment in hashtag what are we drinking. Corktown is a neighborhood who that I definitely want to visit. Uh, Haven't visited uh, other former sports venues and other places in the Midwest. We're not getting into what is Midwest and what is not today, Chris. I think we can table that for another uh, time and place. We want so, someone
1: to keep listening into segment two. We don't want to lose everybody after segment one.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, folks, I did mention that the Frauen are off on international duty. So, I mean, outside I mean, to me, all that needs to be said is where is the team in the standings? We have Bayern coming up in the Frauen Pokal. So. That's gonna be really tricky to try and pull that car to you know top them twice in a row. So
1: they're gonna that's come late after we beat them.
0: Oh yeah, um, that's gonna be oof, that's gonna be really difficult. Uh, a two point lead between third and fourth. Now we were throwing a, a buoy here when Hoffenheim beat Wolfsburg, but hey, the girls are doing great. You know they can uh, get about. Have capacity right now for the Front Seams. No, I personally believe that they should be playing at the Bodge Stadion, that they should allow for as many fans to come in as possible, because you can easily squeeze in six, seven, eight thousand in the lower bowl section of the stadium and still be able to fully do social distancing. Chris, you why are we need why a are capacity we
1: capacity limit if if you even just open the lower bowl, you will not need a capacity limit because there will be enough space to spread out. It's
0: so why are it's we a not no doing that? To it's me, like but, come on? You
1: know, it there's a I'm sure there's a lot of business things as far as staffing, stadium issues. I I work in that realm. I understand that. But you gotta look at the brand and marketing to players you want to bring in if you want to w- win the Bundesliga, if you want to qualify for Champions League. You want to play in your best facility, and they're not 100%. doing it right now. But 100%. there's increased costs that go along with that, so they have to be able to justify moving the match there as well.
0: 100%. So, um, yeah, track will be taking on Bayern uh, on the 30th of October. So, basically, right when the girls get back from international duty, they go right to the Pokal action, round 16, Oof, you can ask for a bigger opponent in Bayern. And uh, you just got to hope that uh, Bayern Munich has got more tired legs from international duty. Even though, you know, Eintracht has ha- has plenty of ladies out on international duty themselves. Uh, so, just got to hope that, uh, that we're basically able to do just like the men did. You know, go into Munich, pull off a win, walk out of there like you're the cock of the walk. And go right into the quarterfinals. Why not? Because uh, at that point, really, you are pro- Leverkusen faces Hoffenheim. And to me, one of the other two huge matches of the Frauen Pokal round of 16. And then it's really down to three teams the winner of Eintracht München, the winner of Leverkusen Hoffenheim, and well, let's be real. Uh, Freiburg is gonna freaking lose to uh, Wolfsburg, so the winner of those three, the winner of those two ties and Wolfsburg will basically be the favorites going into uh, the Pokal uh, quarterfinal. So we can only hope that we can uh, replicate what we did last season in making it to the final itself. So that is enough for our frown corner. Next up is the Bundesliga. So. Bundesliga on Saturday, part of what I consider Super Saturday, with uh, three matches on the Sunday. Uh, Eintracht's kickoff is stupid late uh, for a Bundesliga match to the point that uh, my own uh, uh, NFL team will already have kicked off during that, so i um, going to prioritize the Eintracht on that one. Chris, can you tell me the last time Eintracht faced off against Bochum in any competitive play,
1: it's been a while.
0: Um, you were in Germany at the time, I think.
1: Yeah, I was. And yeah, that's probably why I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of beer going
0: down. Um, it was in the Pokal in 1314. Uh, yeah, you're right. Gosh. See uh, let's see. if Unless memory is fading on me, we ended up making the uh, I the quarterfinals. Again, running against, right against uh, Dortmund in that one. But yeah, that was the last time we faced off against Bochum in any competitive match. The last time we faced them in league format, we were both in the Zweite Liga. That is how long it has been. And it's been a second since we were in the second division. Thank God. Uh uh Yeah, so um, Eintracht has won each of the last uh, few uh, matches between us. Each of the last four league matches and five, if you include the cup, have all been won by the Eintracht. Um, for me, we, and we've been talking about uh, when we do discuss the Bundesliga itself and how Greut, like we thought Bielefeld surviving was a huge coup, but we both looked at Bochum and Firth and said, Oof, these guys are gonna get pummeled. And so far it's I mean Bochum has gotten has gotten pumped for a lot of goals, but they've still been able to get points where it's counted. They now have they like as we as we stand, he matches in. It's Alexander Bielefeld, and Fifth who are in the bottom three with uh, then Bochum and well, then with, there we are. But you know we've had our own troubles with the Bundesliga as is. So for me, this is a highly highly winnable road match, and the kind of place where any points dropped you're then going to be kicking yourself at the end of the season. This is kind of where we, I feel this is the same spot we felt when we knew we were looking at, when we were looking at Bielefeld and that we need a win and a draw. You'll be happy that you got points, a point, excuse me, but you'll be, feel like you'll be kicking yourself uh, further down the season. Yeah.
1: Um, I've learned after 20 whatever years of watching this club, to never look at a, someone below you in the table and say that's a victory. Uh, because we're early in the it season. It should be. The points are close. But the important part is taking three points and going from 14 to somewhere towards the middle of the table. Because it, there is a significant drop-off uh, with, with Balcom at 15 down to Firth at 18. There's a significant gap between us and that lower group as far as quality. Um but that means nothing if we can't take three points from them. So if they pass us in the table, we can't say, oh, they just got us on a bad day. You know, the points will adjust. Well, they won't because this is match day nine. We're getting to the point where we have to take these these three-point games when the opportunity presents itself.
0: 100% because, hey, what if, I mean, the, the worst-case scenario for me is the fact that you know, we could lose, and you know, Augsburg is playing Mainz on the Friday. We would know that hey, if, if say Augsburg wins, guess what? We're down to 15 at least temporarily. Uh, and uh, look, it just the sheer fact of the way that we have started off our Venezuela campaign whilst. You know we have the Hertha match we have the Dortmund match but that's in terms of losses you know that's still plenty of corrections that need to be made we've circled this match as an away match that you can get the three points from we hey you know what we went to freaking Munich so if we're able to come out of Munich with three points then we should have we should on paper have no problem with doing it here the question is hey guys Are you ready to do this on a, you know, Thursday, Sunday sort of basis where you're able to keep on, you know, being at the high end of the Bundesliga table, you know, kind of like we were when we made our semifinal run, and yet we're able to balance league and uh, European form. I look at this match against Olympiakos and I'm like, all right, that was freaking awesome. We're buzzing. But you know what? We also got freaking kibosh-like, you know, turd burglars like Danny Bloom, former Eintracht player, who will definitely want to show up and uh, show to his former employers that, you know what, you guys really blew me off as, like, just a throwaway guy. Screw you. I'm going to freaking have a day of days playing with Bochum.
1: Former players love to do that to us. (laughs) They really do. Um, but to the point you just made, uh, we, we came out and we're world beaters today, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played the game of our lives two weeks ago, holding on against Byron. But in between was a sack of shit against <laughs> So, <laughs> sorry, I can think of a better term in a moment, but, um, if we want to see that growth in that development, this is the most important game of the year to say, we're turning that corner and we're not going to be a roller coaster anymore. Uh, we're coming out of that Valley and we may not go back up to a peak, but we're not going back down right now. We're going to level things off. We, we have to come out emotional. The whole thing after, after the Byron victory was, are we going to come out flat? And sure enough, we did. We were garbage. Um, from end-to-end end against Hertha. And if we come out of a big emotional victory today and go into Sunday and, and just lay down, I don't know what that would mean for the future. Because then you start getting into the rest of Europa League. Are we going to start coming out flat every week? Are we going to just pick and choose when to be motivated? To me, this is a must-win match. If we want to be taken seriously in the league as far as Being a top half of the table club, this is the most important game through nine matches.
0: I'm all in on that. I can say, Chris, that there's a tiny bit of me that thinks that, you know what, if it's tied up and we're past the 70th minute, they're going to throw all defense on. They will rip off all the attackers because they're the Pokal. They're in the Polk out they're hosting Augsburg in the Pokal, and that is actually this coming midweek. So, uh, asking bounced by uh, asking bounced by Mannheim, who host Union Berlin. The people who have actually since Chris we talked about Union Berlin and their fans being naughty, they had the the Israeli team uh, visit. They've apparently been on a huge purge to find out who the perpetrators are. And they've at least found one to uh, nip that in the bud. But for me, like you, this is a pivotal, quite a quite pivotal moment that long term, we probably like some folks might forget. And when you're looking at the old tables and old results, it might not pop out at you. But this is a huge, crucial moment crucial match in the fact that you have a chance to go up against a guy, a team who at this moment in time we are right next to they just beat Groyteferth at the last weekend. So I mean yeah, they would otherwise like if they had just gone the draw they'd be in the relegation three places. If they had lost they would be freaking uh, in 17th guaranteed But we're in a position where, hey, uh, win and you move out the table. Because I look at what is above and below us and I'm like, no one's going to be moving all too. There's not going to be a lot of momentum in this weekend all too much. Because I look at, uh, for example, a Stuttgart and Union. Guess what? I anticipate that to be, you know, a draw. I expect... And I will say that right now, knowing that we're going to have to talk about predictions that I expect the Eintracht to get the three points and that I expect us to be sitting like 12th place or higher at the end of match date nine. So I will put my prediction out. I know the last time I made a prediction first uh, that ended up like blowing up right in my face, but Chris, I am going to say that this is going to be a two to one victory and that I'm, that the Eintracht is able to get the two holes before Bulkham gets one, kind of rather late on, but we're able to still dominate the game. The, kind of the way that we dominated Olympiacos. Kind of like once you had that lead for the first time in a long time, you felt a certainty that, hey, this is happening. This is going to be a win. This is going to be three points, and we're going to move on up. I think this is going to be the same sort of a match where we're able to win and move on up the table and benefit from the fact that everyone else in a week's time is going to be dealing with Pokal whilst we're just going to be sitting at home, resting our legs, and perhaps by the time we face Leipzig, Rhoda will be in the starting 11. I don't think he's going to be making a starting 11 appearance for the Eintracht at the weekend, but I think he will at least be making a substitute appearance
1: Interesting. Um, I'm I'm going to be on the winning side on this one. Uh, I'm going to be a little hesitant because I think we're still not comfortable coming out ready to be world beaters after a big emotional match. But I also don't think we're going to lay an egg. The Heritage loss is so fresh in our minds. Glasner is not going to let them be unprepared. Uh, what I look at is Balcom can't score a goal to save their life. I mean, they have five goals through eight league <laughs> matches. And I meant to, 20% I meant to of those come w- with an extra player on the pitch.
0: Uh, I will also point cool. out that the, the, their, whilst they're in 15th place right now themselves, Augsburg, Bielefeld, and Firth, who make up the uh, then subsequent uh, relegation spot three, each one of those clubs has not scored more than five goals right. this season. And that's, that's just, that's, that's just we, were, we were whinging about our own offense being inept. <laughs> that's a different, that's a yeah. different entire category. That's
1: what I was talking about earlier when I said there's a big gap. We've allowed fewer goals than most of them besides Bielefeld. Uh, but we have almost double the goals of the next closest one. So there is a big gap in talent there. I think it's important that we score early because like you mentioned earlier, If it gets into the second half and it's a tie game, they're going to sit on that ball. They're going to park the bus and take their point, which is far more important for them to get a single point than it is for us. So uh, I think we get one early, and then I think they press late to try and get one, and maybe we can catch them on the counter. The key for me is, is quality passing and not turning the ball over. We saw much improved passing today compared to the last few weeks, and if we can continue that, I don't see much of a threat here. I'm gonna say 2-0. Oh wow.
0: Oh wow. 2-1 two 2-0. Two Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your predictions. You can always reach out, out to us at Hey I Frankfurt on Instagram. You can reach out to us on at H E F Pod on Twitter at facebook.com slash pods, or you can find us on Facebook where all the English language content current at the is found all at one convenient location. Chris, where can we find you once uh, your turn for your Mexican travels?
1: Well, right. of so course, I, you're going
0: to be live tweeting during this, <laughs> during your Mexican travels.
1: No. I, I will be down there for the match on Sunday. I will be watching. Uh, maybe I'll be tweeting. We'll see. But if you want to throw your hate at me for picking another clean sheet, because I think I'm O for 12 now when I predict those on the show. <laughs> you have to <laughs> win I, at some point
0: in time. Yeah.
1: Tweet me uh, at c and the D 313 and also on our Discord chat.
0: Exactly. And we tweet out our Discord chat uh, on Twitter. We put it out there on Instagram and on Facebook. So if you haven't joined us, what is holding you back? Outside of maybe joining another platform, that is. (laughs) And you can also find me on Twitter, at CaseySGE, when I'm not posting about what fun beer I just uh, uh, posted on Untapped with all the little stickers that kind of come with that, which is all fun. But I also talk about Eintracht. I talk about the Chiefs. I talk about the Royals. I talk Kansas City Royals, the Kansas City Chiefs. I talk about the Colorado Avalanche who pain today. You know, can't have a perfect day, Can you? <laughs> I in fact have got to uh, clear the weekend for just a celebratory uh, beer fest. That's one. Of, that's what I'm hoping for on Sunday. That's all. That's all I'm asking. It's not hopefully not too much. All right, folks, you've got our predictions. Let us know your thoughts. And Chris, actually, we wanted to. We had been talking about this in the background for a second. I wanted to debut. Now this contest is for anyone who tweets us out, uh, throws it out on Instagram or on Facebook, all the social media main social media platforms that are out there, uh, that you like or retweet uh, or repost uh, the link to this podcast. I will we will give the shirt off our back as a thank you for being a loyal fan of the podcast. And uh, this week we have a marco Rus. now he has already got his own autobiography out so if you haven't had it i when it's on order so just kind of waiting there uh, for it to cross the ocean on that one considering those containers are moving that well at the speed of nothing (laughs) um (laughs) i have a small marco Rus jersey uh for our shirt off of our back campaign so uh retreat repost uh that episode and we will read out the winner on the next episode of Hate Eintracht Frankfurt. So, if you want your hands on a on a home a Monaco rose jersey, it is size small. So be so don't 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 hesitate to give that off to if you happen to win it and you can't wear it yourself, as I you know can claim that I can no longer wear that. Um, there's nothing wrong in then handing it off to a few. Uh, uh, Burgeoning Eintracht Frankfurt fan to seal that love. We got to grow you'll the You'll tweet fan base out a picture, right? And everything. Oh, yeah. Tweet out a picture. Make sure it looks. And even if you put it in like a shadow box, let us know of how smart it looks. Just saying. Eintracht well, that
1: Frankfurt. That deserves a place on
0: a wall of honor somewhere. Exactly. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. I'd like to thank Chris for joining me to talk about everything there is. About Eintracht Frankfurt, especially when we had such a key victory in the Europa League, we got a big one against Welcome in the Bundesliga. So, uh, yeah, follow the follow us on Twitter and all the other social media landscapes of the world that we're on. Uh, and yes, we will be back for no- another episode where we will recap everything that's been going on with Eintracht Frankfurt. So until next time, cheers. <laughs> which have placed me on the quote
1: Kamada Island. You're not on the island, you govern the island. Well, <laughs>
0: hey. I'm for fun,
1: for